This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people. And today, this is part two of our Year in Movies 2023 wrap-up featuring Glenn Gaylord, the senior film critic from The Queer Review, and also Drew Drogi, the hilarious actor and writer. So we did part one last time. This is part two. We get into a lot more movies, have some fun, and talk about what we're looking forward to about the next year in movies, 2024, this year. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that this podcast, Dennis Anyone, is brought to you by Stay Puff. No, it's not. I don't have any sponsors. I don't. I just do it because I love it. But I do have two side hustles that I should be plugging here more vigilantly because they're fun and I need the dough. So one of them is You Don't Know My Life Virtual Game Nights. I host them online lots of times for team building events. So if you know anyone in HR, they're like, everyone's working remotely. We're not connecting. What can I do? Go to youdon'tknowmylife.com and learn about our virtual game nights. I would love to host you. I also have a business called Lifecast, which is where I interview people about their lives, like a podcast, something to get somebody's story down as kind of a legacy, an audio heirloom, if you will. I interview a lot of people's parents. I put cool music with it, and it just becomes this really great way to get somebody's story down. They don't have to be on camera. They don't have to write anything. I just talk to them, and they share their story, and it's wonderful. So you can learn about that at getalifecast.com. I also want to remind you that there are two ways you can listen to this podcast. One is, as you always do, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios. And for a monthly fee, you get my show early, and you get all these other great shows. So you can learn about that at dnrstudios.com. And also, if you want to kick into my virtual tip jar, that's a way you can keep the podcast going, help me cover my expenses. You can do that at dennisanyone.net. All right, that's enough for the business. Here now is part two of the Year in Movies 2023 with Glenn Gaylord and Drew Drogi. Joining me now via Zoom from Los Angeles for part two of our year-end movie wrap-up 2023, it's Glenn Gaylord. He is the senior film critic from the Queer Review, GLAD-nominated blog. Congratulations. Uh, and we also have Drew Drogi, actor, writer, extraordinaire, just back from New York where he was in Titanic. And we're talking about a lot of movies. And in the last episode, uh, we started to get into Barbie, but we didn't really. We just hinted. So let's start with Barbie. It's a big movie. Uh, we all saw the uh, boxes. Did you? Who took a picture in a Barbie box in a theater? I did. You know, with the photo ops? You did not. No, I did not. Glenn, did you take a picture? I did not. You walked by? I'm sure you saw them. You just were, like, not that into it. No, I had to do it as a selfie. I was by myself. Oh, not gonna work. No, because you have the the plastic. You can't. You got it. Yeah, it's not. It's not cool. That marketing was so everywhere that I thought if my urine is pink, I would not be surprised. <laughs> I'd be like, that's universal at work. Um, so anyway, Barbie, uh, Glenn, do you want to start us off? What'd you think of it? Oh boy. Okay. Well, I'm not a huge fan of this film. Uh, I appreciated it. I thought it was a really good thesis, and it felt like a thesis to me. Um, even though it's big and colorful and funny and bright and all of that. And I, I, I was really happy to see America Ferrara nominated because I think she is the best thing in it and the most memorable to me. Um, I like, I was so happy when they got out of Barbie land because I thought the whole movie was going to take place there that I loved transitioning out of it. And then it became about something deeper. I cried twice, so I can't say I hated this film. You know, I cried when... Uh, Margot Robbie sits down with the older lady on the bench. Early in the movie. That's that's costume designer legend Ann Roth, by the way. Right on. And uh, and then I cried during the... That's literally Ann Roth in that scene? That's Ann Roth. 
Wow. Yeah. She and just uh, happened to be sitting there. She didn't even know she was in the movie <laughs> until they had she her sign the release. Get paid. <laughs> well, she wasn't the costume designer on Barbie, so it's interesting that yeah. they asked her. Um, and the Billie Eilish song with Rhea Perlman and Margot Robbie, just that just made me cry, too, because I think it's just that that song just really captured what I think Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach were trying to say throughout the film, uh, that it, it just, it felt really vulnerable and interesting. And I thought she made a really interesting film. Yeah, I, I for mean, sure. Unlike anything, I would even say groundbreaking because it's not the type of film you would think of when you think of the IP of Barbie. Right. Uh, it goes way deeper and it's almost like they got away with it. Yeah. Got away with making this film. And then everybody is now patting themselves on the back because it's a giant hit, you know, the, the studio patting themselves on the back, like, see, we knew all along. I bet they didn't. I bet that was subversively stuck in there, but uh, who knows? They're smart people in the business. Um, it was, uh, it, it just, there's, there's another film we'll talk about in a bit that also I think is a thesis that I think is a lot more successful in being more cohesive to me. I got a little tonal whiplash with between America Ferrara being great and then cutting back to Will Ferrell running around uh, that while I love Will Ferrell, I think is an incredible comic. I just think the juxtaposition of it made me just go, wait, what, what, what's happening? What am I, how am I supposed to feel? I'm crying now I'm laughing. And it, it just felt a little bit all over the place for me and I'll shut up. Interesting. All right. No, I, I appreciate that. Drew, what did you think of Barbie? God, I wanted to, I wanted to love it. I had a martini in my hand. I was yes. sitting with a bunch of young people who were squealing for it. I also saw it by myself and, uh, I don't know if I walked by a plastic case because it was anyway, but, um, I was so excited and I, I laughed once. There's one line where Rhonda Barbies has a TV in her back, backpack and that made me laugh. I thought the line about teaching the men about the Godfather line that people talk about, I thought was clever, but it certainly didn't make me laugh out loud. I wanted in this world, I wanted to join this, this, it's literally a cult where you, you can't come out and say you didn't like this movie without people screaming violently at you. I, I had a moment at a party with friends that we literally had to have a moment where I was like, please stop beating me up because I really, really loathe this movie. And I, I wanted to like it. I just thought, I loved what it had to say and I loved that it's going to inspiring other people to tell their stories and do their, do their movies. But I felt like it was so obvious. There was nothing in the movie I disagreed with, but that was kind of why I hated it because it did nothing to entertain me on any level. Um, I found, uh, I found it weird that the men had way more to do than the women. A lot of it was the men got to be funny. The men got to have like these journeys that, I don't feel like Barbie went on any real, like, I think we were supposed to think she goes on a journey, but to me, the movie I would have made would have made $5 at the box office, but <laughs> how did Barbie become head of Mattel? Had it been a woman that gets her, or let, let the Will Ferrell character, because I agree with you, Glenn, I didn't, at a tonally, I was like, that was a totally different movie. That was like a and Keystone I, Cop, you know, Yes, thing and it was happening. so, we've seen that so many times, too, that kind of character. Had that role been played by Jane Lynch... And maybe, or someone in that ilk could be like, oh, a woman in power turns into an, an awful straight white man because with like the patriarchy is that deep. Now, maybe that's too much for a 12 year old to process and see women, but like show us something complicated versus just like girl power. Cause then I'll watch Spice World. Like I'll watch, I, I, I found it like, 
I thought it was a mess. I thought things went away that didn't come back. I thought it, I, I didn't, I, I don't know. I, I really, I wanted, I just, there's nothing about it that I can, that I, I could stand. And a lot of it is this post viewing it where people are so aggressively right. loving it. And they're like, there's something wrong with you if you didn't, or like, you, you know, and it's like, no, it's just not great, babe. It's just not. And I'm glad it did what it did. And I'm, I think the America for our speeches was great, but I feel like it's something that I don't know. Maybe I was already there emotionally. I've already, as, as a gay man, I've, I've been like, had those conversations about like how difficult it must be to be a woman and have to go through the world. And I'm, and I'm glad that was said, but I kind of was like, I should have been talked about more. And while I certainly don't need to see myself in, in movies, but a movie that's trying that hard to, to show the entire world, gay men weren't there. Like, we weren't. Unless we were supposed to believe that maybe Alan was gay or that that um, Scott Evans could have been a gay Ken. You have an out gay actor as one of the Kens. Why couldn't we have just two gay Kens together and just show it? Like, But we have a trans Barbie. We have a differently abled Barbie. We have it so clearly like Whitman's sampler of every type of thing to show off. And that we just kind of, we make all like nice guys the Allen. And it was sort of like, I just was kind of like, okay, I'm not, I don't know. And again, I don't need, I would, I would love a movie with no men in it. I would love it to be only about Barbie and Ken could be literally a doll and make it about the women's story. I didn't think the women had enough to do. Um, I do think it's really interesting that you bring up that there isn't really any gay men in it because I know a lot of gay men that collect Barbies. Like, after yes. young girls, gay men sure. are down with Barbie, and they're not there. And not, there's not even a wink to them. There's not even a there's no. not even a line where you'll you know yeah you're old and washed up, but there's some sixty year old guys in Palm Springs that will worship you until the day they drop. Like <laughs> it's a big part of the Barbie constituency that was sort of. Like, and I don't think it was done purposely. I just think it didn't no, occur to them. No, I don't either. I don't I think, think it think occurred to them. Um, yeah. I uh, I enjoyed the movie. I had, a, I had a really fun time at it. Gosling, I think, really is kind of magic in it. Like, he's doing some interesting things. He he made me laugh just with some of his – I don't know. There's just – he's. I think he's wonderful in it. And the, when he sings the song, it's I, I'm into it. I also want to applaud them for going really short with the men's shorts. Because a lot of times <laughs> when period pieces do like 80 shorts, they don't do it all the way. They don't – they're like – they're an inch or two too long. They're like – they're they're alluding to the short shorts, but they're not really short shorts. This movie gave me the short shorts that I needed um, <laughs> to reach where I wanted to reach. Uh, so thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's the Barbie of it all. That's what uh, – that's what uh, – you were all coming back for, and I think we served it up with Drew's disdain. That's awesome. Sorry, I know. I yeah. Am, I, yeah. I like well, it. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of in the middle, and so I'm a little worried about this backlash. Drew, will you protect me from these barbazons or whatever they call them? Right. I've been dealing with it already. People are like, I, I, whatever. I wish I liked the movie that everybody likes for you. It would be so much easier. I should just start lying. I like it's great. <laughs> um, sometimes you see a movie and you think, I'm as smart as these people making this movie. And then sometimes you think, these people making this movie are so much smarter than me. I will never be any kind of an artist. And that's what I felt watching Anatomy of a Fall. 
I thought. Oh, okay. I was like, not Barbie. No, no. Okay. That, I was, I was segging into my next movie. I just was watching that lucky. going. Anatomy of Fall, I totally agree. Sorry. Like, I just thought there's so much going on in this story. And it was so rich and surprising and then a little dark here. And then, like, funny. Like, I just thought, oh, these are genius-level minds at work creating this movie. It's, um... You know, like a like a kind of a mystery. This this person dies, and was it a murder? Was it an accident? What happened? And the way the story unfolds, and the way the editing is used to reveal things, I just thought, wow, these are really smart people at the top of their game with a lot on their minds. And uh, it was just such a rich. It was one of the last of the big awards movies that I saw of the season, and I was like, you know, what that feeling when you kind of feel like you have your list in your head. And you're, yeah. and you're like, I hope it's not that good because yeah. I just can't make, I don't yeah. know if I put the couch over there, then the furniture is, you feel like you're rearranging furniture in a room of movie love. Right. And you're like, oh, fuck. I got to figure out where to put that other armoire now because this movie is that good. Like, that's kind of the way I, I experienced uh, Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, Glenn, what did you think of it? I loved it. I think that uh, it's that just for the scene alone, when they listened to the tape, Oh my God, uh, it was so brutal. And I did not expect it to be that brutal yet. It's all kind of baked into it. I mean, you, you really understand how Sandra, do you pronounce it? Huller? Sure. Um, her, how she asserts her independence and free will in the film. They really, really lay out the groundwork for that, you know, really well, but it still didn't prepare me for that scene. And when you hear she and her husband arguing and it's just, it's annihilating. And I was just thinking this movie is, it's worth it just for that alone. But I also love the peek into the European legal system. Uh, that, yeah. The way the courtroom was the laid the courtroom out and the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Where, the, where the defendant is such a participant in the whole thing. Uh, and that there's so much back talk, you know, it, it goes against the rules of any, you know, uh, uh, rooms that I've been in where you're only allowed to talk when you raise your hand. It was just, it was just fascinating. And the kids' performance uh, was so fantastic, so moving. And what, what the decisions that he makes uh, late in the film, I think are just, you know, they're gut wrenching. So uh, yeah, great. And, and Sandra Lewis had a great year with between that and the zone of interest showing completely different sides of her talent. I, I, I really enjoyed this film. Yeah, she wasn't on my radar before this year. I, I Maybe she'd been in something I'd seen, but I didn't yeah, know her. An incredible German film called Tony Erdman. Tony Erdman, oh, right which on. I love. Yeah. a fantastic three-hour German comedy that fully worked for me. It made me laugh my ass off. It's so weird and wonderful. Crazy. Yeah. Drew, what did you think of Anatomy of a Fall? I, I really, really liked it a lot. I thought it was... I loved the screenplay... I thought the writing was really smart. I love the performances. Um, I thought she was fantastic. And yes, in both these films this year, Anna and Tony Erdman, I've sort of like, I'm like, this woman is a chameleon. Um, and how she's kind of, she looks the same in all these movies and yet gives completely different points of view very authentically. Um, I thought the kid gives an, uh, is riveting. I think the dog yeah. Is so amazing. I don't know how they got a dog to do all of those things. I actually don't want to know a lot right. of it. Like, <laughs> how did that happen? But I was, I was fully there. I was like in it. Um, I love a good courtroom drama. My only thing, and this is maybe because I'm a trashy, trashy American, I like a little bit more of a resolution. And so at the end, I was like, and I, I get that's the point. And I've seen a lot of European films that sort of lead you off, but maybe I want more of like a jagged edge 
like, oh no, the typewriter's in the closet. What? Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I like a little bit of a de- decision. Yeah. Because I want to know that the filmmaker has made a decision at the end. I don't need to know what that is, but it's kind of similar to that play and I think the actually superior movie Doubt where I don't know that he makes a decision at the end of that movie. Like did the, did it happen or not? And it's like, I have doubts and it's like, okay, cool. And I, I can go, I, I, you know, so this kind of had that to me, like at the end I was like, huh. And I get we're supposed to leave being like, what could have happened? So I, I'm not saying that's a fault in the movie, but like for my, my taste, that was my only thing, but I thought it's, I, I would be happy with, it's going to win a lot and it as it should i thought it was i had a clearer idea than you did about what i what okay. happened but i may have just chosen that for myself kind of like the kid does um uh-huh. yeah so it was it, it it felt more resolved for me than it did for you um but what i loved is that glenn referred to this recording that we hear and it turns out that because they're writers one guy was recording a lot of things because he was looking for inspiration for his writing so you kind of buy the idea that there is this recording because when it's played in the courtroom and it's reenacted it's a bombshell but the themes that come up in the recording are things that the movie oh we're going to talk about these issues in life too which is how is somebody doing in their life how are they feeling about their creativity are they being brave are they being called out by their partner are they do they feel like a loser like all of these things are what come to light. It's not even like, oh, somebody was having an affair and you're, no, it was more like this sort of how somebody felt about themselves. And, and there right. were somebody that, that had dreams of being a, a writer, an artist and how it was going and getting called out about that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is almost more vulnerable than anything you could, you could think to play in front of a courtroom full of people. So I love well, the title. Yeah. I had a similar reaction to Drew when I first saw it, and I talked to the friend that I went to go see it with about this lack of resolution. And we had a good conversation about it where I just thought, I guess you need to just sort of train yourself of how to watch this movie. Yes. See that it's a movie about a woman seeking autonomy. And yeah. so the resolution to that is clear by the end. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, if you take the whodunit, out of it yeah i mean it is the marriage that's what the title being the fall of a marriage the fall of it like that that it's it's more than just a whodunit and or did she did she not right um yeah that's the frame they used to look at all these other issues and these other issues were so interesting and that's where i felt like oh these people are really really smart um yeah yeah yeah. i was into it um what's another movie you would like to talk about drew um, I will say, um, I, I will say just to, um, to piggyback onto the, the Barbie conversation is Barbie did depress me as a creator when I watched it. And I was like, if this is what people are, I don't know. And a movie that I saw that I was like, oh, this is my Barbie and go with me here because I don't, for me, like I loved and was so inspired by Dick's the musical. To me, it was a, it's just gonzo the gayest thing I've ever seen, but also joyous. It is about, uh, it's, it's based on a UCB show called fucking identical twins, uh, which is a much more appropriate title for the the piece. Uh, it's about two guys who, I mean, these are two comedians, these uh, wonderful, hilarious UCB comedians who look similar, but they, in the world of this, they, they realize they're long lost identical twins and they pull a complete parent trap uh, on and realized that like, oh, I grew up with a mother. I grew up with a father and they put it all together and they tricked them to getting back together. The parents are gleefully 
unabashedly played by Nathan Lane and Megan Mullally, who are having the time of their lives. Um, their boss is Megan the Stallion, who is a kind of a like a revelation in this movie. Like she's only in a few scenes, and she's great. Um, it's there are animatronic puppets from the sewer. It is uh, there's flying vaginas. It's, um, I never say this is a movie, this, it feels like a John Waters movie because everyone uses that and they don't, I feel like this is the closest I've seen to a John Waters film. I also saw this, um, the day that Paul Rubens died mm. and I needed that, um, to see like the, something that felt like an heir apparent to the world of Paul Rubens and to that, and, and it felt very much like in that, in that vein. And so it really struck me. I've seen it three times. It's maybe the only movie this year that I've seen more than once. And, um, I, and again, I'm biased. I know and love the guys that made the film, but I just find it so inspiring that A24 just picked up this UCB play and was like, not only are we going to do this as a film, and we're going to get Nathan Lane, Megan Wally, Megan the Stallion to be in this. Bowen Yang is God, and Bowen Yang is God is the most inspired choice ever. How brilliant. And, and we're going to let the two of you who created the show and are the leads, you're going to be the characters in the movie, which I know took a lot of very uncomfortable conversations. A lot of people I'm sure wanted to cast other people. It would not have worked with other actors doing it. And I was just inspired to see this scrappy gay thing be so joyous. And it ends with a song that's, that says God is a faggot. I mean, come on. It's, there's, (laughs) there's nothing more wonderful to me than that I yes. love and, that in, and that incest is also love and incest is love yes exactly yes <laughs> i mean that's, <laughs> that's a given yeah it's totally true glenn what did you think of dicks the musical i <laughs> i know so many people who hated this film and i, I and withdrew i had such a good time i laughed so much in my moments out of time i talked about uh megan the stallion's Al- alpha the alpha musical God. number She's so just, she is just incredible in that. And uh, it just, it's, it, you know, it's so propulsive and fun. Um, I found myself laughing a lot. And in a comedy, that's my barometer. And uh, it just, it, it just made me laugh from beginning to end. And I know people who didn't laugh once and just think it's horrible and horribly shot. And, you know, and I just didn't experience that. I thought like, Drew, it's a scrappy, low budget film that I thought was just kind of audacious for every minute of it. Um, I saw the movie with our friend Danny Casillas, who you both know, and yes. he turned on it right away. So every time I chuckled, I could feel him being like, <laughs> oh, my God. And I didn't I'm not I didn't chuckle that much, but I chuckled more than him. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't love it, but it was funny to be like somebody that with one of these people that had really just not gotten on the train at all. I think there was times that Megan Mullally particularly made me laugh. Some of her timing, some of her lines made me laugh. Um, this movie was coming out around my time of my birthday, and I was looking for a big screening that I could invite people to for my birthday celebration. And it ended up moving dates. And I'm kind of glad it wasn't my birthday movie because it's so divisive, right? And I would have been oh, like, cool right yeah, I would have, there would have been people walking out of the theater glaring at me, cause, and then a few delighted people. Um, but yeah, Dick's the musical. I, I, I want to know how that happened, how they got it made, and that it's either, A24 I, I, and all of it. Yeah. I was kind of like, I, I think, this yeah, is amazing. I, it, that happened this twice this year because on Broadway with Gutenberg, it was another Broadway, it was a UCB show, it was a yeah. two-man show that they're like, let's put it on Broadway. And I love, it's very inspiring in a world of where that just feels impossible. I also just feel like it's a movie that really takes down the patriarchy. I think it has a lot on its mind in, a, in its stupidity because it is about, like, 
they play like they're so obviously gay actors, but they yeah. play these straight guys in the beginning and they show how awful straight guys are, but they're not trying to play the straight guy. They just 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 say the lines and do the things that they do and it's it says a lot about what's wrong about men and like what how we should change it and to me that's much smarter than preaching how we should feel and what we should think show the other side and let us as comedian as a comedy show us why that's wrong we're laughing because it's wrong yeah interesting so every year in my phone i keep track of what i saw and i give it a number rating and if any of you saw the number ratings You'd be like, there's too many nines and tens. You're too nice, Dennis. And that's just true. But there was one four, which is really the lowest I've gone this last year. And it's a movie called A Good Person. Did you guys see A Good Person with Florence Pugh and Morgan Freeman? No. Zach Braff. Zach Braff wrote and directed it. Um, (laughs) And there's like train sets in it and tragedy. Anyway, it was, I was not into it. So that's all. We don't need to discuss it, but that was my lowest number in my iPhone notes app for the year. Uh, See, so it wasn't on your radar. It's probably for the best. Um, Yeah. Another movie that I wrote down as uh, being fun is Cassandro with uh, Gael Garcia Bernal. He's so good in it. He's really good in it. He plays a gay wrestler who... uh, is cast as the Exotico, which is a kind of type of wrestler in that kind of wrestling. And they're always sort of the butt of the joke. And he finds a way to sort of turn that around in the world of wrestling. And he wins people over by his charisma. And it and changing that outside, that artificial thing, sort of changes something in him. And I thought thematically it was really interesting. Um, and he's great. The depth of feeling. Um, so, yeah, it was one of those under-the-radar like you, when I first saw it, I thought, "Oh, maybe a best actor moment," and then the field just got so packed. But um, I really liked Cassandro. Did you see it, Glenn? Yeah, I loved it. I I thought he was his performance. He was so defiantly queer, and he never backed down. Yeah. And every time he got punched, he was just strategizing, like, "How can I make this work for me?" And I just I love that spirit. And it's fairly true to the real guy too, who is kind of like the the Richard Simmons of gay wrestlers. Right. And uh, he. Um, uh, just had this great spirit. And I was really moved in the scene where a young kid tells him how much he inspired him to come out. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was really sweet. And I loved uh, Perla De La Rosa who played his mother. Uh, she was this messy mother. And I just thought it was fun to watch this mother son relationship where she loves and accepts her son. Yet she's kind of a hot mess herself. And he's inspired by her messiness uh, when he puts on his character. Uh, so I, I thought that it re- really resonated with me. I thought it was beautifully shot, too. Yeah. Um, Glenn, let's talk about Oppenheimer because uh, it's another big movie of the year. And uh, I need to see it again. I saw it when it first came out, and I really liked it. I really admired it. Um, I just remember sort of the way it moved back and forth in time. And the, I, I was really like, this screenplay is extraordinary. Like the the way it's structured and that you're – you're kind of following it, yet, yet it really keeps you on your toes. I just uh, I just was – I really admired it, and I want to see it again before all the big award ceremonies coming up. So, Glenn, what did you think of Oppenheimer? I mean, I really liked it. I mean, I don't think it's the best picture, and it's probably going to win the best picture Oscar. Uh, it's uh, um, fascinating. It's, you know, big, and it's an assault of the senses, and I don't remember a lot of it. 
it, it's just, it did not stick with me. That's like the scene with the apple and Kenneth Branagh. I remember that. And I remember the scene on the bleachers post Hiroshima and Nagasaki with the Americans' faces getting ripped off and stomping on the bleachers. But I really don't remember a lot of it. However, um, it does get bonus points. My friend Kurt Kohler is in it. And he is in more of the film than anybody else. He's in the interrogation room sitting next to Tony Goldwyn, and he's just staring down the barrel of the camera for the entire film. Every time you cut back to him, it's Kurt's movie. So I was just really proud of him. Yeah. Because uh, he said he was like in a master class. He just got to see every great actor in the world come into that set and do their thing. Uh, and so uh, I liked it. I just I'm, – I'm not passionate about it at all. Yeah. Drew, what did you think? I uh, – this is another movie that really surprised me because – I'm not really a Christopher Nolan fan. Uh, I have actually not seen a lot of his movies because I kind of avoid them when I can. I was just not my, not my thing. Um, I was surprised how much I really liked this movie. I thought this movie was great, especially the last half. Um, the, the beginning, I mean, you know, I, I always have sound issues with him, like everyone talks about, where he doesn't, I guess he doesn't do ADR. Like, I have a hard time understanding what people are saying. And I also have a problem with, when his, his the score is every moment is scored like a major moment. Like it's just like, you're getting a 10 every time. And so I'm like, I don't know what's important. Like the score's not working to help the movie. I think it's, it's just, everything's this. And it was so much talking in the beginning. And I have a problem with particularly men talking in a room. <laughs> Hi, where are we right now? What are the three of us doing? But like <laughs> when men are in a room, just talking, especially at the beginning of the movie, my brain starts to wander to other things. And then I go, Oh shit, I wasn't paying attention. And I'm missing this. And I, if I'm at home, I have to immediately go on Wikipedia and be like, I missed some plot point. Like, what did I just miss? And I'm just because I'm, my brain just goes to other things. This movie really won me over. And I thought that, you know, the aftermath, I, there was that scene, that really kind of innocuous scene in the beginning of the movie that you're like down by the pond, you know, and you're like, why is this? In there? And then you're like, oh, this is what the whole movie is about. And it's about, talk about a movie about ego and masculinity and i do think this will win best picture i'm very fine with that i think it was great i also was in love with emily blunt's performance i thought she gave an incredible performance and i'm happy that robert Downey jr is also probably going to win an oscar this year because he deserves it and i think he does a very interesting job with that character the reveal of what's actually happening with him and um and killian murphy's is great i mean like i i I walked out of that movie being like, wow, I really loved that. And I was shocked that I, that I would, I was kind of going out of obligation. And the first hour I was a little bit like, okay, here we go. And then I, it won me over completely. Yeah. I loved the where Downey Jr. Where his character went and what, that the story ended up being about men and their egos and pettiness yeah. and like personalities, you know, it's, it's about the, this, the biggest thing that probably ever happened in the world, but it's just about, people and egos, you know, and the yeah. way things unfold, I thought it made its points beautifully. And yeah, I, I really want to see it again before the big showdown, but I also want, I think I want Christopher Nolan to win. Not because I think he's the best, but because I don't like to have those people that haven't won Oscars that we're all carrying it around with us. I'm heavier because Glenn Close doesn't have an Oscar. Oh, I'm my heavier God. day to day. I hope so do we get I hope we all care more than she does. It breaks my heart to think that she cares as much as I do. But I feel like Christopher know. Nolan is getting to that point where like, oh, let's give him one and we'll all be lighter as a as a society. 
current about this. Annette Benning is probably not going to win again this year. I yes. know. I know. She's another one. Yeah. But you <laughs> know what? She's too good. Annette Benning is too good. Yeah. We don't deserve her. <laughs> performances that look like performances. I mean, the like 20th century women, she wasn't even nominated for, which was horrible. Like, it's such an atrocity. Um, kids are all right. Like, she's so natural and so believable that I don't think people register as like, that's like a good performance, even though I'm like, it's the best one because it's, it's what we all strive to be as actors. I think Annette Benning is as good as anybody's ever been. I love her. And yeah, did she's going to not win again. What did you think of Nyad? I loved it. I was yeah. really blown away by how much I liked that one too. I was kind of watching it. Another one like, oh, this will be like, eat your vegetables. I was really into it. I couldn't believe how much it made me laugh. Yeah. I was really into the, the human story of it. I, and as Annette Benning is always great. I have a, like, I never think Jodie Foster's bad. But there's, there's like this kind of cold, distant, like Jodie Foster kind of plays this unknowable kind of entity. Right. And this is the best thing she has done in 30 years. I thought she was delightful. I thought she was so relaxed. Fun. I've never seen her so just relaxed as a, just as a, as a person. I'm like, oh, I know this person. I love her. I want to hang out with her. Um, yeah, I was, a, I was a big fan of that movie. I thought it was great. What did you think of Nyan, Glenn? I really enjoyed it too, although it kind of plays fast and loose with facts and leaves out a key thing, which is that Diana Nyad was stripped of this title. You would think that they would say that in this film, which was just crazy to me. After like, she after she completed the thing, they stripped her of the thing? Yeah, sometime oh, wow. later. Yeah. Interesting. Did they say she cheated or something? I don't know the details. I've been trying to find out, but there was some type of technicality. And so they stripped her of the title. I, by the end of it, I was in, but along the way, I'm like, I just didn't care that much about her quest. Like that, that she wanted to, sw like, she's still swimming. What's happening in Nyad? She's still swimming. Oh, fuck. She's been swimming it. for seven hours and we're 45 minutes in. That doesn't, <laughs> at the timing, I don't know, you know, but we got, we got over the hump and we made it through. So. What, what's distinguishing about this film and several others this year were the amount of films that passed the Bechtel test. And so May, December, Nyad, uh, there's this incredible horror film called Birth Rebirth. Uh, oh, I loved that. I saw that. I loved it. Also passes the Bechdel test. So for the listeners who don't know, Alison Bechdel, who wrote the comic and that became the musical Fun Home, has this theory that a film doesn't pass the Bechdel test unless there are two women in a scene that aren't talking about a man. And I just kept on noticing all these Bechdel test passing films uh, throughout the year. And it was really fun to, to clock that. You can even look at Poor Things when she is with uh, the woman who becomes one of her lovers. There are scenes within that pass the Bechtel test. So I, I just thought it was uh, a great year for Bechtel. Right on. Let's talk about Poor Things. Um, Drew, what did you think of Poor Things? Oh, I love I love Yorgos Lanthimos. I've loved from like... Dogtooth to the lobster to, I mean, um, I love the favorite. I also love the TV show, the great that the, I, I was so excited to see this and it did not work for me. I thought it was silly. I thought it was kind of like empty. I got what, it, I got what it was saying, I think, but I was kind of like, I wanted another layer. I did think that Mark Ruffalo was wonderful in it. He was my favorite part of it. And he did some kind of daring thing, like kind of offbeat performance. Like, yeah, oh, it's not like anything I've ever seen him do. Yeah, and, and it was like surprising. really having fun playing yeah. a villain. And I thought he was 
really great. Um, you know, Willem Dafoe's always in the pocket of doing really interesting weirdo stuff that I always love watching him. I just, I didn't, I didn't hate what Emma Stone was doing, but I felt like it was very easy. As an actor, I felt like it was very much like, be a baby in an acting class. It felt very, it was just a, it was an exercise. And I didn't think it was an effective performance. Now on this new, this series, The Curse on Showtime, Emma Stone is giving a, an amazing performance on that show. Obviously, these are wildly different movies, but I just, again, we love to give awards for these, like, really showy things, but I think what Emma Stone was doing was, I saw it with two other actors, and we're like, that's easy, right? Like, that's what we can, we love to just go to those extremes. And she did have layers, and there were things that happened later, but I just, I was disappointed. I wanted to love it, and I went in with high expectations because of all of his other films, and um, I just, I it didn't do it for me. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, I admired things about it, certainly visually. There were frames of that that I would hang on my wall, but emotionally I didn't have a satisfying experience with it. Like I admired it, but I didn't, it didn't work for me in terms of the emotion of it, my emotional involvement. What about you, Glenn? Um, I would agree for the most part. I mean, I saw it with my friend Darren. I've seen it twice. God, I've seen a lot of movies. (laughs) I know, I like it. Due diligence. And, uh, about a half hour in, we turned to each other and it was on a small screening and there were people around and um, we just turned to each other and went, why do we hate this so much? Like, I just, I couldn't get into it for like the first half hour, but then it grew on me, not emotionally, like, like uh, uh, you guys are saying, I, I didn't cry or anything like that, but I did laugh a lot. I did think that the lines are quotable and that it's kind of fun to look at visually, though he really needs to hang up the fisheye lens. I just, it, it, it got to be annoying after a while. Um, I, I had a fun time with it, but it's not in my top 10 of best movies of the year at all. Uh, and Emma Stone, I agree, Drew is giving the performance of her career in the curse. And yeah. which this performance pales by comparison. That, that is the most deeply strange layered character I've ever seen her play. And this, yeah, it, it, it is kind of like, you know, be a chicken, be a baby, be a this, you know, just, it, it did feel a little actor uh, exercise-y, but uh, um, I still laughed a lot. I'm going to give it because I do think it has a quotable script. It re- it reminded me a little of that Elizabeth Shue movie, Molly, where she played the uh, challenge. Right. You know, like, it, 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 you know, that's not the story of this movie, but some of the affect, you know, you're like, oh. That's what this is. But she evolves. The character Bella evolves. I felt bad for her having to do so many sex scenes. I felt, and I know that Emma is one of the producers and like, this is part of what they're trying to say. And maybe it's my own baggage, but they, she really goes for it. And then she goes for it some more and goes for it some more. And I felt, I kind of felt bad for her having to do those scenes, but maybe that's my own hang up. I read an interview with her where she said she approached the role as a character who has no shame. Yeah. And with no good reason for her. It's I, my problem. She insisted on the nudity. She's yeah. like, character has no shame. I wouldn't care about any of this. And she's just going for what she wants to feel physically. And yeah. so I think that is the point of it. But I still get why you would say, you know, I yeah. feel bad for her. Well, just um, that there were a lot of those kinds of scenes, and they went on for a while. I felt worse for Florence Pugh and Oppenheimer, actually. Oh, for the scene where that 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 sort of surprising sex yeah, scene the big happens. Dude sex scene is when he comes up with the quote of the century. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was yeah, kind of an audacious choice. I think it worked for me. I didn't have a problem with it. 
But uh, yeah, it's a moment in Oppenheimer where you're like, ooh, that's that's a choice. Um, are there mom- uh, movies on your list, Glenn, that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, I want to talk about Origin because I thought that this one was really ignored. Have you seen this, Drew? I have not seen it, no. I know Dennis has seen it. Origin um, is the last movie on every um, movie lover's list of like, I need to see it. If somehow it ended up last for everybody. Yeah. And I just saw it uh, this week, this past week. I loved it. Yeah, yeah I, I loved it too because I think it's an unfilmable thing. And getting back to how I thought Barbie was a thesis, this film is very much a thesis paper. It's almost a PowerPoint presentation as a film. And yet I thought Ava DuVarnay found a way to make it cinematic and also emotionally engaging. And it's all over the place. And I actually think it's groundbreaking because it's all over the place. And it's a film about an author researching a book, which is the most cinematic thing you can imagine. And yet it got to me. And I thought all of the points came together really well. Uh, but, uh, Anjanu Ellis-Taylor and Nisi Nash-Betts were just incredible. Another Bechtel test uh, winner there. And uh, I, I was so moved by some of the stories. And one in particular that is about a guy named Al Bright, who is from my hometown of Youngstown, Ohio. I grew up knowing him as this accomplished artist and this accomplished college professor. But the story about him as a kid about confronting racism was gut-punching in the film. Um and, you know, on a personal note, a friend of our family was married to Albright. Uh, oh. And so it just it all hit home that there's this racist incident that a lot of people assume is happening in the Jim Crow South in the movie. But it's actually in the Midwest. Uh, and so I'm like, God, I'm so not proud of the history of my town when I watched that. It just it felt so terrible. And it to me was probably the most powerful thing in the film. Oh, yeah, for me as well. It was like a gut punch, like you just kind of couldn't believe it. And the way it was shot and the way it was uh, sort of the way the whole thing unfolded. Um, I admired Ava DuVernay before and I'd seen some of her work, but I thought she was a little bit like, is it all hype? Like, is it, you know, like she's got her imprint and all this stuff. And I saw this movie and I'm like, I'm in love with her. I'm going to take her master class. I was anytime. I'm sorry I ever doubted you, Ava DuVernay. Like you are the real deal. And so I'm all on board now. Yeah, so I, I uh, yeah, I was kind of knocked out by it. And it, a movie about somebody figuring something out, you see uh, the actress's mind working in, like, that really smart way. And there's just wonderful scenes in it. And uh, I love that actress. Yeah, she was my favorite she's thing dynamite. King Richard. King Richard, she was, like, the reason. Yeah. The, I was like, I want her movie. She was yeah. amazing in that movie. Did you see the yeah. social media kind of brouhaha when she was – some award show was happening and she was at the uh, AMC giving out postcards for origin to give to people. She was just like handing them out, like busking, like you would do at, you know, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Right. Uh, and there was this sort of discourse of like, somebody got a video of it and said, you know, she should be getting her flowers at the awards. And I guess, but I was like, she probably like was into giving out postcards. It was meaningful to her. Yeah. Who, who are we to yeah. say that only the glamorous things are meaningful to somebody? Um, I thought it was cool that she did that. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Drew, what's another movie you want to talk about? What's going on in Another your one of my favorites this year is Ira Sachs' movie Passages, which I thought was phenomenal. Um, he's another, like I was saying about, uh, who was the other director? I said, you never know. Oh, um, Jonathan Glazer. Ira Sachs' films... You, you, they are usually gay films, even though he made a beautiful film about two, like the two young, the kids and they were yeah. friends. That, yeah. But 
This one, I've been a fan of his since I saw Keep the Lights On at Outfest years ago, and I've just found that he's he just makes really interesting films. But Passages is this very, very dark comedy uh, and, and very kind of gut-punch drama at the same time about a gay couple that um, basically where one of them starts having an affair with a woman. And it's about a really kind of reprehensible, almost sociopath lead character who just, he's a director, he's a film director, and he just just does whatever he wants and he kind of destroys these lives. But I, this is another movie I did see. I saw this movie twice. And on second viewing, I I didn't like the character more. I think the performance, Franz Rogowski, the actor, is one of my top five, like, absolutely should have been nominated in my world in which no one would watch the Oscars. We were like, <laughs> who, are, who are these movies? Who are these people? But right, I thought exactly. his performance was phenomenal. And he really, and, and as is Ben Wishaw, who is always just a triumphant, I just think one of the greatest living actors. And um, Adele Exorchopoulos from... Um, Blue is the color. Is that the movie? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's just basically a three-actor movie. There's the mother. There's a very few other characters, uh, actors in the movie, but it's just this three-way and, like, what happens between these things and how it affects these people. And um, I thought it was just a brilliant character study. Um, a, a, um, and, yeah, I, I just was – I was in. I thought – I just – I loved everything about it. And it's also 90 minutes long. It is so lean – and it has some of the best sex I've ever seen in a movie in terms of the most realistic sex I've seen filmed and actually used as storytelling and how you, you watch the sex and you're like, I understand these characters. I understand the why. Um, so I think it's phenomenal. I like that he wore mesh shirts. One particular mesh shirt. Oh, the mesh shirt like, is To meet so the mother. Good. Like the mesh shirt yes. was like my favorite thing in the movie. Yeah, I, I liked it all right. I, I, uh, it wasn't one of my favorites, but uh, – I went on the ride for sure. What did you think, Glenn, of Passages? I love, love, love this. This was on my list to bring up today, so I'm glad Drew did. Uh, I, I mean, I think the sweaters and the shirts alone, the, the costume design in this movie is so so out there. It's so much fun to see this narcissistic kind of, you know, asshole of a character um, present himself so crazily. It's so much fun to watch. Like, you just wonder, what's he going to wear next? And, uh, you know, that's not usually something reserved for a man in a film. And so it, it was just fun to see that. And I loved, like I like I love Bottoms, that you have this, this queer lead character who is not sympathetic at all. And he doesn't give a shit if you like him. And well, although he wants to be liked when it's convenient for him. Right. And, uh, and where it ends up, just the final shot I thought was just so cool because it ends on a very sort of, not a predictable note, just kind of it felt like that's right for this character, what Absolutely. he's doing um, and uh, this, my moment out of time for the film is the scene where he meets the parents of uh, his girlfriend and she's, <laughs> she's pregnant and they're asking all sorts of personal questions about him. And he very rightly so, just not very nicely, tells them it's none of their business, you know, what they think. And, they have, and he's not going to engage with them. and He's not going to tell them his motives and his intentions. And he, I just love the fight he puts up, even though he's such an asshole he, he's an asshole that i don't know sometimes i agree with yeah. that was on the second time i watched it i was i was more like oh yeah and i also felt for how lonely he was too and how like how he was a child like he's you know and then he couldn't but yeah yeah 
I feel like the movie could inspire support groups for people who have dated people like that, who are so triggered <laughs> sure. that they need oh. Oh. Uh, meeting some meetings. Maybe it could be Zoom. It doesn't have to well, it, and, be in person. You can name the center passages. It sounds yes. like the name for that. You go to a place called Passages and you deal yeah. with the jerks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at my list. I liked The Iron Claw with Zac Efron. Oh, I haven't seen that. I didn't know that. anything about it. The, 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 the less you know, the better, I think. Um, and I was, I just liked, I liked the, the performances. I liked the way the story was uh, unfolded. And uh, it's about brothers, brotherhood. And um, I was moved by it. And I was kind of like, oh, Zach, look at you taking big swings. And, uh, and those, are, those are some short shorts. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So it's uh, definitely worth a look. Uh, Glenn, is there anything else on your list that we haven't talked about? Yeah, there's a few. Um, okay, let's do it. Past Lives. I, uh, oh, yeah, we haven't talked about that. Maybe I, I my favorite of the year. Like all of us strangers, it's emotionally poetic to me. And that that that's why I think it's kind of groundbreaking because it's not traditional storytelling. It doesn't go where you think it's going to go. It's got such beautiful performances. Uh, and the scene where she meets her old childhood friend in Central Park and her reaction is just, wow. I love that moment. She's just, she's so incredulous to see this guy after all these years. I just thought it was beautiful. And then on a personal note, because I always bring it back to my hometown, the scene that they have in front of the carousel, which is called Jane's Carousel in Brooklyn, that was the carousel of my childhood that ah. got sold at auction from Idora Park in Youngstown, Ohio, when it folded in the 80s. And they repurposed it in Brooklyn and brought it back to its initial glory. And so I'm watching that scene going, oh, my God, I'm seeing my childhood, too. So that, that, that's a complete side note, but to a, to a film that I just was really, really moved and engaged with. Yeah, I loved it. The second time I saw it, I just started crying, like, at the beginning, and then it just kept crying all the way through it. It's one of those movies where you feel like the director understood every single thing she wanted to do and say, every shot, every moment had been thought through. And then she somehow created an atmosphere where the actors were so alive on camera. I know she did a lot of things like keeping them apart until they were reunited. Like, I think there was a lot of like things that she did to try to create those moments, but of a P I just, the whole thing came together in such a satisfying way. And it was about something sort of, um, something I haven't really thought about before, fate, destiny, this idea that maybe there are past lives and we mean something to people. It made me think about these ideas in the context of my own life. And um, it was really deep but unpretentious and just beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. What do you think, Drew? I agree. I thought it was a beautiful movie. I thought the performances were incredible. I thought that... Is his name T-Yeo? Yeah. Yeo? I, I, uh, uh, like, who is this guy? Who's a revelation? Um, I think it's, yeah, I was, I think it's the best thing. I, Greta Lee, I was like, oh, I love seeing her in a lead and playing this really complicated, really identifiable person. I always love John McGarry and everything. He's always good. And I, I again, I, it, it really moved me as well. It's something I'd like to see again because I saw it so early in the year. Yeah. And I remember leaving there going, God, that was a beautiful movie. And it really moved me and made me think about it. Um, I don't remember a, a lot from it, but I, I think of it fondly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think back and I go, oh, that was a great movie. And, you know, and I, um, and I loved how simple it was for all that it was saying. Yeah. I had an interesting experience when I saw it. I saw it on a Tuesday night. It was sold out. Uh, in Century City, and I was the only Caucasian there. 
The rest were all Koreans. And they looked at me like, oh, my God, we're so happy you're here. Like someone else that's not, you know, like us, right, uh, seeing this movie. And it was really popular uh, film when it came out. And uh, there's a line in the movie that probably this didn't happen to most in most screenings uh, where they the, the, the kid asks or someone asks, why are you guys leaving Korea to move to Canada? Um, and, the, you know, the, the Greta Lee's younger character version of uh, who wants to be a playwright or a writer of some sorts, a uh, journalist. Uh, she says, because Koreans don't win Pulitzer Prizes. And the audience erupted in applause, like, yes. like Wow. They, and I don't think any other screening you'd experience. No. Right, yeah. right. Oh, it was so wonderful to see it through this audience's eyes because they were, you know, they were seeing themselves represented truthfully on the yeah. screen. I saw the second time I saw it with a Q&A with Celine Song and both of the actors. And during the Q&A, the poster for the movie is behind them. And the poster is the two leads on the train. And they're, they're both holding onto the pole. And there's like a tiny bit of space between their hands. They're not touching. And just having had the experience of just watching the movie and even looking at that image and how close they are and the gravitational pull and the complication, like I could cry looking at the poster. Like it was that rich after having watched the movie. Even those little details are full of emotion. So, yeah, I think if that's – if you're listening to this and there's a movie that you haven't seen and that's it, that you got it. You got it. You got to to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Oppenheimer will always be there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's to, to hold us and to comfort us. Um, I'm looking at my list. Um, 80 for Brady. I don't think we need to go into it. We don't need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, watched it, I watched it a while after it came out one night at home with my roommate, and we laughed. We, we, I, like, we, I enjoyed it, you know. I saw the book two in Rome. When I was in Rome. I saw – I went to a, a Roman – an Italian movie theater that did not have subtitles. And I and I went and saw Book Club too. Yes, you did. Were, yeah, and they were like warning me. They were like, "There are no subtitles. This is an Italian." I said, "This is how I want to see this movie." <laughs> and I was loving just. I trying to figure out what was happening. Just yeah. I, you know, and I was like, I, you know, you kind of get it, and then they end up in jail, and you're like, "Why?" I, I don't know. But Book Club two and Italian and eighty for Brady, I completely put them together in my mind. Like yeah. they're the same movie. <laughs> Well, we're, um, isn't Book Club 2 set in Italy? It is. So it there is you were. So, you were there. It was so fun to be there. Yeah. Be like, I just walked. I was just walking by yes. there to go see this movie. And it was this gorgeous theater. And I was like, I want to see a movie in Italian that I don't really care. Yeah. I'll get what's happening. It's sure. basically a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. I like it. Can um, I just name a few honorable mentions? Yeah, do it. I'm, we don't need to get into them all. I just want yeah. to kind of give. I have a list of that too that I'm happy yeah. to just throw out. Let's as well. do yeah. it. So, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I just thought was a captivating adaptation of a seminal fit, a book. Um, I, I laughed my head off at Blackberry and Glenn Howerton. To me, gives oh. one of the best performances of the year. It's so surprising and vicious and fascinating. Um, I really enjoyed Air as far as these yes. processes of how to get things done. You hurt my feelings with Julia Louis Dreyfus. I thought was just. Wonderful, even though it really does come across as champagne problems, but it still sells its thesis really well. Um, Dream Scenario, Nicolas Cage, I thought was brilliant in it. It, 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 it did feel like a Kaufman-esque film, but uh, I thought it had the best last line of any movie this year. It really moved me. The crash scene in 
Ferrari, Coleman Domingo and Rustin, just really powerful. Absolutely, 100%. performance. Um, and Godzilla minus one. I've never cried in a monster movie before, but I cried in that because of the World War, post World War II setting really got you emotionally. Um, and the teacher's lounge from Germany, which is an Oscar nominee this year. Uh, such a tense little film. It, I think it's the sister film to Shiva Baby, where you're basically wow. just following one main character through a sea of anxiety the entire time. Uh, so, uh, I, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed, uh, um, this little scene horror movie called Huesera, the Bone Woman, which is a horror film, a body horror film in the vein of Rosemary's Baby. Um, and it's it's got an unexpectedly queer subject matter to it that I did not know about uh, going in. So I was really uh, thrilled by that film. Right and on. The, All right. I've got a bunch more, but that's enough. All right, Drew, what's on your list of uh, honorable I mentions? A, I have a lightning round. So one that I saw last year at Outfest, and it may not have come out yet because I, kind of, I saw the trailers and it went away, but I love it. So maybe we'll get to see it in 2024. And that is Julio Torres's movie Problemista. Right. Featuring Tilda Swinton at her, at her greatest. And I'm a Tilda fan. It's really funny. It's a really smart movie about immigration. Wildly told. Brilliantly made film. I loved it. Um, my favorite documentary of the year is Kokomo City which I also saw at Outfest, but I think it is an, it is our, it is, I think it's the next, um, the answer to uh, Paris is Burning in terms of just like really amazing interviews. I love the way it's shot. Very quick, really fun, really smart, insightful uh, film about sex workers, all, all black trans sex workers. Who and are so smart about life. They it were is so, so smart wise. About life. It was they like, were the was individually like, like and not just yes. one, oh, that's the smart one. They were all kind of oh, wise. And I brilliant. was like, how did they find these people that are so wise? Yeah. I, I was I was blown away, and I was also really entertained the whole entire time as well in a way that it never felt pandering. It never felt like it was – it was, it was very much a celebration of these people and um, just Who's sitting seen with them. seen some yeah. shit. They've all seen yeah, some exactly. shit, and they have some thoughts. Um, you Hurt My Feelings is also on my list. Yeah. I think it is – Nicole Holofcener makes these movies that are all like these about these really small things that you go, we've all felt that and we've yeah. all thought that and we think that that may not be enough to make a movie. And yeah, I, I know what you're saying, Glenn, about champagne problems. And I also feel like it's like something that no one's ever gone there to make a film about like, how do you tell someone that you, that you love that you hate their art and how does that ever happen? And just the, how, how we all understand that after shows and, I, th- I thought it did it so well, and I, th- I thought the performances in that were great. I saw a really small movie that has a title that I was ready to take because it sounds so pretentious, but I thought it was beautiful, called All Dirt Roads Taste of Salt. Yeah. Which is this uh, – I could smell and, and taste that and hear that movie. It's a movie about senses. It's, a, it's this uh, – it's this, uh, you know – it's all about just human connection in Mississippi. These people, they sexual awakening. It's it's a beautiful art film that I was so so there for. Have other of y'all seen that one? Oh, no, but I, I have don't. been sitting here waiting to be seen, so I will see. Oh, it, oh, I thought it was just magical. I was so into it. Um, another movie that I loved was mainly because of the two lead performances, but it was called Monica with Trace Lizette and Patricia Clarkson. I it's a it's a pretty small movie, but it, a, a trans woman coming home to deal with her ailing mother. And I thought their performances were 
next level, wonderful. They're always both great. But I love that it was a trans story that was very much about trans identity, but that wasn't at the core of it. And, um, and I just think what Trace does is she's phenomenal. And I, I would have loved to have seen her get a nomination this year. I know, um, and I'm, she well deserved the Indie Spirit nomination. And then a really fun movie that I saw that I just was, because of Indie Spirits was nominated, was called Chronicles of a Wandering Saint. That I, is this Argentinian movie that delighted me. I was laughing out loud. It's like about, about a woman who really wants street cred at her church. And so she does all these really underheaded things for people to think that she's a saint or that she's found a saint to get popular. And she's on Facebook and she wants to be like the most, the most saintly one at the church. And then it, this crazy thing happens in the middle of the movie and the credits come in in the middle of the movie and you realize like, Oh, I had no idea what's actually in ahead of me. So that was just a surprise, like wonderful, wonderful uh, film. I love it. Can I, add two, can, I, can I add two quick ones? Yeah. Um, one that I, I think uh, uh, was a little overlooked because it has one of the funniest lines of the year for me was Theater Camp. Um, oh, Theater Camp was really great. Yeah, I where, loved it. Where, uh, you know, the two leads are talking to a bunch of young little kids at Theater Camp and this is the quote, you guys are so talented, so unbelievable. This will break you. This will fully destroy you. I love the nihilism of that line. Uh, really just hit me in the right place. Right. And then the other one, it's not everybody is on board with, but I think of as Paddington 3, which is Wonka. I liked I, it. I've heard, of, I've heard those Paddington movies are right. I have not seen in them. I, I don't understand why it doesn't have a Best Song nomination. I love the music in it. I love the visuals of it and the heart in it and it feels like Paddington 3 more more than a prequel to Willy Wonka even though that's there uh, just I, I've seen that movie three times actually it's crazy and Chalamet's the real deal like I think he's uh, captivating and he's good in it we didn't talk about the color purple but I liked it uh, I enjoyed it I really love Fantasia I thought like I she too. was I did too. the thing for me like uh, I, I really was moved by her um we didn't talk about Concane Bear, which I wanted to like more than I did. I've not seen it. Yeah. I've actually not seen it. It's a yeah, fun but Margot Martindale in the chase scene, it's it's great. Yeah. Um, you but, know but what? Back to the color purple. Yeah. I, I resisted it at first in the first, like, 20 minutes because I thought the choreography was weird, like these railroad workers doing ballet moves. But once it got more organic, I was really into it, and I cried just as much as I did in the original. Yeah. So there it is. And Oprah showed up at everything in red dresses or purple dresses. Um, you know. Yeah, I liked it. I wish I liked it more. I love I love the stage show. I've seen the stage show many times and yeah. I wish they had just there was I wish it was just better put together, but I think the performances in it are really good. Yeah, I agree on that front. Um Red White and Royal Blue was a gay rom com on Amazon. But I think it has the thing that those rom-coms that you go back to and watch again have, which is kind of the zippiness and the chemistry between the guys is really good and they're cute and there's some things that elevate it a little bit. Like I, uh, I, I thought it was uh, a really fun watch and I can understand it has a big fan base and I get it. I get it. I'm all, I'm all one and done on that one. One and done? Like I feel like I, on a, I feel like I could on a bad day with some ice cream, I think I could fire that thing up again and look at the boys. So let me see. I think that might be it for my list. Uh, we didn't talk about Maestro. Uh, oh, I liked Maestro a lot. I did too. I Maestro was beautiful. And I liked I Harry Mulligan a lot. Else, but I, I, his, the prosthetics were a lot for me to get her, my, 
I really like him a lot as an actor, but I, I wish it was some, I just wish, but I think a, he's becoming a really interesting filmmaker. Yeah. I love that he really went, like, it reminded me a lot of um, Lenny. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was like watching a 70s art film, the fight scene in the middle between the two of them. I think Carrie Mulligan is, she's my vote this year for the saga. I think she gives, she's phenomenal. And she's I think she's so the good. star of the movie. And I think Matt Bomer is heartbreaking in it. And I, I was on board, but I really, really, really liked Maestro a lot. I thought it was great. I think there's greatness in it, uh, especially the fight scene, if it's the same one we're talking about with the Macy's yeah. Day float. I just, the, any, I mean, that to me is one of the scenes of the year. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's just fantastic. Um, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't think it was great. I thought it was a bit of a mess. Um, and for a movie called Maestro, I thought it was more about Carrie Mulligan than about our Maestro. Uh, but, you know, that's just the nature of the subject matter, I think. Uh, I, I, and yes, it does remind me of Lenny a little bit. It, it also felt unknowable like Lenny as well. Mm -hmm. they're, yeah. they're kind of artsy removed films. And, and yes, Bradley Cooper made an art film here, I think. Yeah. I also have written down on my list, Knock on the Cabin. Do you remember that? With the gay guys in the cabin and Jonathan Groff. Oh, I haven't and, seen that either. I missed yeah. that one too. I just like that the gay guys were in the heart of this, the middle of this, uh, M. Night Shyamalan joint, you know, and I, I just think if you look at the landscape between Rustin and, and all of us strangers, and I think there's a really uh, exciting place that we've, we're getting to around. Yeah. And Nyad. And, yeah. you know, like, it, 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 yeah. And it, yeah. it, it doesn't feel as like important or whatever. It's right, it feels a right. little bit more like part of the landscape. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of a cool moment, and I like I said before, I love seeing these gay guys on the red carpet in their amazing outfits and just I, like I love Dave, I love, Dave, I love Dave Bautista in that film. I thought he was the revelation. Oh yeah, and Knocking the Cabin, he was really good. Um, that also that movie also feels like it came out seven years ago, but it was twenty twenty three. All right, guys, before we wrap it up, thank you for your passion and your insight and uh, for doing this podcast. Um, I did not prepare you for this, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. What one movie are you looking forward to for 2024? Oh. I'll go first. Give you guys time to okay, think. Okay, right. I think Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt are coming out in a movie called The Fall Guy, and I think he plays a stuntman and shenanigans ensue, and there's quips, and I'm sure there's chemistry, but the thing that really caught my eye and made me put it on my dream board is Ryan Gosling wears a nifty red jacket with like piping down the side. He is the best jacket wearer in the history wow. of cinema. He picks the right jacket or they put him in the right jacket and then he wears it on that body and he walks sometimes. Sometimes he runs in a jacket. He occasionally might kiss in a jacket. The jacket in Drive, remember that jacket? Oh, yeah. Remember course. the jacket in Blue Valentine? Uh-huh. Yeah. We've got another one coming with the fall guy and I'm going to be there uh, opening day. Years ago, I was at a restaurant with a friend and, um, and I saw an arm first as this guy walked in and I was like, that's the most perfect arm. <laughs> golden, perfectly. <laughs> and I'm not a big, like, crew, I'm not going to be like, Hey, that's all I got. But I was like, that bot, I'm going to let that person know like a plus and I scan up, I take my time. Drinking in this person just to be like, hey, and I meet eyes. 
with Ryan Gosling. And I'm like, well, of course. Of course. That story, what a wild taste that you have. story Drew. is amazing. You enjoy pizza as yeah. well. Like, what an amazing taste you have, Drew. You think, but I was like, oh, right. That's because that's yeah. you're high. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. yeah. Then imagine sl- him sliding that arm into one of the coolest, retro, sexy, well-fitted jackets. And you could see a little bit about, you know, what I'm, what I'm feeling. Yeah. 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 What, 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 what it takes to float my boat. What are you looking forward to Glenn in 2024? Well, one that comes to mind that I've been hearing great things about is Richard Linklater's next film called Hitman. Oh yes. With Glenn Powell. Oh, which I heard has like sizzling chemistry that is hilarious, that it's, it's a lot more than meets the eye to it. And so that's, that's high on my list. Right on. All right. I like it. I'm worried about the wickeds if I'm being honest. But uh, that's another podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, they're doing two. So that first one right. better, you know, uh, yeah. Well, I'm my excited. whole issue with that show is that Act 1 is like Harry Potter, and it doesn't get to Wizard of Oz until Act 2, really. And to put that into two movies, I'm like, how is that going to work? Yeah. We'll find out. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll uh, what are you looking forward to? I have seen a movie that's coming yeah. out this year. That it's fantastic. So I can go ahead and recommend it's already on my list for 2024. Yes. And that's uh, Luca Guadagnino's film Challengers. Oh, um, with-, with Zendaya and Mike Faced and Josh O'Connor. It is fantastic. It is a, a very sexy, very fucked, fucked up. But it's, it's different in tone than anything that he's ever made that I've seen. And I. It's all about competitive tennis, and, and it's basically almost a three-actor movie with an amazing score by Trent Reznor, so it's all like club music, and it's a lot on the tennis court, a lot in the bedroom, a lot of you know threesomes and getting involved, and uh, oh boy, it's a wild ride and about friendship, and it goes back and forth a lot in time, and it, the actors are all really great. It's the first time I've really seen Zendaya in a way that I'm like, oh, she's... A force. Um, so, yeah. His Love movies it. are sexy. Like, it's almost like yeah. he dips them in lube or something. Like, there's something about his movies that you feel it. Um, yeah. So That trailer makes me so uncomfortable and make, in a good way. Like, I really want to see this film because it looks it looks like um, – remember Woody Allen had a movie, Match Point? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of that only, like, with, like, some type of a thriller horror element. Oh. Or more anger or something. It feels really intense. Yes. It's more like it feels, I guess, with the score, like it's almost like Run Lola Run <laughs> more yeah. in a way. I mean, not, but you know what I mean. The vibe is very much that. The vibe is very, like, immediate and, like, what's going to happen. And then these moments where they're just, they just sit with them. And also just the, the world of competitive, like, sports and who's up and who's down and what happens and how your life changes and celebrity and oh you're famous but as a tennis like it's 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 got a lot on its mind it's great i love it well there's something to look forward to uh so i'm looking forward to seeing it and talking about it next year with you guys thank you for doing this thank you i love this i I love it so much thanks you guys this was amazing thank you yeah i'll see you at the movies as they used to say on um Siskel and Ebert, which is yeah. weird because I bet you never did see them at the you movies. You would never see. Oh, that'd because be so they, weird. No, they go in advance. We're never exactly. going to see them at the movies, but we would be there. We're we're we don't we don't have any special perks really. Um, all right, thanks guys. Thanks Thank you. 
Thanks again to Glenn Gaylord and Drew Drogi. I realized afterwards that we never talked about Killers of the Flower Moon, which was a pretty big movie last year and one that I really liked. I actually saw it twice at special screenings. Scorsese was there both times. I found it very immersive, like a novel. So I reached out to Glenn and Drew to see if they had thoughts about that movie, since it is one of the biggies. Here is what Glenn texted back. I really like the film, especially the three lead performances. Great dynamics there. It's overlong and it doesn't really capture the Osage point of view, but the story it chooses to tell is gripping and tragic. It feels like the underlying story is about the rise of Trump making it an effective cautionary tale. I like that. I will say this. There's one scene near the end where all the white people are in a room together and it really felt sinister and it feels like, oh, that's these meetings are happening all over the place. Um, people that have power trying to keep it uh, by keeping people that aren't like them from having any at all. And I felt like that room felt like a place that you could go today if you had the right code. Here's what Drew had to say. I completely agree with Glenn. I would also say that I hated the radio play with Scorsese telling Lily's fate at the end. And Brendan Fraser's scenery chewing was disgusting. <laughs> I love I love the words he uses. But the three leads were incredible, and it's a very important story. I just would have loved an indigenous person at the helm making it about her instead of him. Uh, interesting. I like it. I like the radio play at the end. Um, spoiler alert. It's not really – well, it's just like a surprise. And I thought, ooh, interesting. And I liked the way it was mounted. Um, I loved her, but I, I wanted more fire from her at the end. Like, Like she takes a lot of crap, and you just want her to – camp it up and throw some shit and like let loose and it's very like contained uh still waters kind of thing so anyway i really liked it it felt like a rich novel to me um beautifully shot surprising interesting i was into it oh and speaking of cinema so this happened i got to go to the premiere performance of this is me now the j-lo video album movie thing uh, my friend Matt Zarley got tickets, and he invited me, and it was at the Dolby Theater, which is where the Oscars are. It used to be the Kodak. Very glamorous. Um, so we go there, and there's J-Lo, and she's in a beautiful skirt that I didn't I didn't have great close seats, so I couldn't tell until I saw the pictures. Each panel of the skirt was a sign of the Zodiac, because that's one of the themes of this visual album video thing. Um... I had a good time. It's fascinating. The J-Lo of it all is fascinating to me because it's not its not a campy mess. Like, it's not... Because there's enough humor in it um, that it's, it's not taking itself super seriously. But the J-Lo of it all is fascinating to me because she's always feels like she's trying to prove something, which I find endearing in a way. Like... There's this New Year's Rockin' Eve show she did a few years ago. I think she sang some Aerosmith song. Like, it was not, you know, the the Grammys or Carnegie Hall or whatever. It, you know, it's a gig. But she's doing some cover that I'm sure she learned just for that because she's a worker. And then she runs across the stage and does a knee slide. And I'm like, you're in your 50s. You, can, you don't have to do the knee slide. But J-Lo has to do the knee slide. That's who she is. And in this case, the knee slide was a hour-plus movie she paid for herself about this album, which is the album where she rediscovers Ben Affleck and uh, goes through a lot of stuff, learns a lot about herself. Um, there are therapy scenes, and there's the, the visuals are CGI, 
bonanza, but they're cool looking. Like, I, I it was like they weren't trying to look real. They were like a dreamscape, and they were kind of spectacular. And they looked expensive. Everything looked expensive. Jennifer Lopez has done a lot of things in her career, a lot of projects, and she did every one of them looking fucking fabulous. Like, she always, even when she's like, I'm ponytail casual girl for this scene about therapy or whatever, it's, it's, there's, it's flawless. And I remember when she was on American Idol, I used to just watch it to look at her like she was uh, the sun or something. Like, I'm just going to look at J-Lo. I guess there's other things happening on the show. I don't know. Um, there's really interesting choreography in it. it as, from a dance point of view, I thought the moves were unique and not sort of like, oh, we've seen that a million times. And she executed beautifully. Um, you know, her obsession is romantic love and being in love and losing love and who's the one and can I make it work. And that's a little sappy because it's the subject of Lifetime movies and Hallmark movies and everything else. But if it were, say, an addiction story or whatever that she was working out, I I mean, people might be a little more respectful, like, oh, that's her issue. But her thing is love. That's her thing. Um, And there's these sequences throughout where this sort of celestial panel of gods, they're all named after the different zodiac signs, like Libra is Trevor Noah and Jane Fonda is Sagittarius. So she got 12 of them up there. And they're kind of commenting on her foibles, like, in Xanadu. You know, because if it worked in Xanadu, it's going to work in your project as well. And so, what that said to me is that, like, J-Lo has friends. Like, they must be real friends. Like, Jane Fonda, they work together on Monster-in-Law. Kiki Palmer's in there. Sofia Vergara. Trevor Noah. Post Malone. Kim Petras. Uh, Jay Shetty, this kind of self-help guru that I listen to on my call map. Um, And I don't think you show up for the check. And I don't think you show up because you think it's going to be great. It might be cringe. But I think you show up if you're J-Lo's friend, Jennifer Lewis. So that was interesting to see. Ben Affleck pops up in a cameo. Um, There's some songs that I think I got stuck in my head. I was like... This is me two weeks ago. I'm like, J-Lo never has really good songs. That's her problem. Like, she doesn't have... And now I've got a bunch of them stuck in my head. So those are words that I'm eating. Um, and now she's going on tour. I might have to put that on my dream board and try to go. Anyway, it was a fun night out. There wasn't an after party or anything like that. Although we did go, Matt and I, to the Coral Cafe. And I had the best pastrami sandwich I think I've ever had in my life. Um, that's also stuck in my head. So anyway, lots of talking about movies and celebrities and... Here's my final thought about this. Like, J-Lo, Taylor Swift, Beyonce with her country thing, Kylie with her Grammys. Like, the world is going to hell, but our divas are fucking delivering. Madonna. Madonna, of all people, that I forgot. I'm going to see her in a few weeks. So, like, if you look at my Twitter feed, it'll be, like, Trump outrage and, you know, cute guys. And then divas. Diva news. They're dropping this. They're pushing that. There's a new video for that. Oh, and also J-Lo did another video for the single from her album, Can't Get Enough. There's, like, the version that's lifted straight from the visual album, and then there's a whole other video, because that's her. She's going to do the knee slide. That's it. Um, Anyway, that's enough for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you liked what you hear, I hope you tell other people about it. Um, You can go to iTunes and give me reviews. I know there's things I could do to be building this thing, but I just don't know what they are or if it matters, because I'm doing it 
and I'm into it. So uh, I want to give a shout out to Oscar Rosario for mixing the episodes. My theme music is by Mark Daniels for placement music. We will catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.